Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Verse 16, and we're going to read about four or five verses and talk about it today, especially those of you who are new. We've been in this new series called simply What's New, and you can probably tell by our t-shirts, you can probably tell by all our promo stuff that we have, we're talking about what's new. And the reason why we decided to talk about this is because as many of you have experienced some of the depression and even some of the struggles of being through this pandemic, whether everything has been on Zoom, you've been isolated, you've been alone. So what we really wanted to kind of present is this idea like we've been away from each other for such a long time. And here we are in person and we're just simply asking one another, what's new? What's, What's been going on in your life? And that's why last week we talked about the importance of just new convictions. What are some new convictions, these things that you really believe in? Because sometimes when you're by yourself, you have a lot of time to think. And one of the things that we talked about last week on the new conviction is that we have to be convicted about God's love for us. That's where everything has to start. And that's why we said no matter what you go through in life, if you really begin to experience and understand God's love, there will be a a breakthrough in your life. That's what we talked about. And then we also talked about through that is this being secure in his love, as well as also being steadfast in his love. Today, we want to talk about new community. Why is it important to be a part of community? So I want to show you this picture. I don't know how many of you know this picture. Can we go ahead and look at this picture? How many of you have ever seen this before? Can you raise your hand? Maybe only a handful. This is one of this is a iconic and a very famous picture that I think all of you should know. If you're probably in the med school or you're in the medical profession, hopefully you know this picture. The reason why this picture is important because it was taken in October 17th of 1996, or excuse me, 1995. And this picture is about a twin, uh, Brielle and Kyrie Jackson. And the reason why they're so famous, even to this day, was because they were born almost 12 weeks premature. So we're talking about almost three months before they were supposed to have their due date, they were born. And as many of you know, being born as a preemie, it's very difficult to even survive without some aid. And that's why they spent some time in the NICU, uh, in the intensive care unit there. And they were only, this, this picture is only three weeks old of them coming out of the womb. Uh, this is three weeks old. And those of you who might not know the story, I think you should, we're gonna, I'm going to show you this video to give you an insight of why this video was so important and, or their story is so important. And also now, even to, till today, they actually practice this in the medical field and also in various different settings and organizations because they discovered how important this incident was back in October of 1995. So let's watch this video together to get a little bit of background. Wow, incredible story. I hope now you you know where a lot of those touch therapy and things came out of. And to this day, they're still very close. When you look at a story like that, you realize that human interaction, just even a touch, it's so important. But the sad thing is there are many of us in this room who are so isolated and we're away from people that it's really easy to not even notice that there's something going on inside your heart. I know what some of you might say, but pastor, you know, I'm connected through social media. I'm connected through my friends, through Zoom and all these different things. But let me say this to you. There is something drastically different than just being on social media and then also talking to somebody in reality. Some of you say, well, we have an online community when we play gaming. You know, some of you guys have the whole gear and the seat and everything. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, this is our community. While it might be, but I want to just encourage us, there is something about being face-to-face and in-person just like we are right now. And I share this because if you think about the importance of not being alone or isolated, This is the reason why you will notice that in order to break people, they will put them in isolation. You see this in prisons. They will isolate them for weeks, if not months. 
And oftentimes after that experience, you know, being all ragged and they haven't really taken care of themselves, you could tell their spirit has been broken. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Castaway. Have you ever seen the movie Castaway? I know these are all old time schools. Some of you are like, Pastor, can you like update it a little bit? But let me just say this. There are a lot of movies and a lot of stuff that are old time, old school stuff that are really good that I think you need to kind of tap into. There's a movie called Castaway starring Tom Hanks. And it's interesting because pretty much the storyline goes like this. Uh, he was working for FedEx, uh, one of the companies uh, that gives parcels and, you know, moves parcels around. And he was on a plane. He ended up crashing. And he doesn't remember anything. All he remembers is that uh, the plane is gone. Uh, there was a wreckage. And all the people that he was with were no longer alive. So he was the only survivor on this island as he was cast away into that island, an isolated island. And it's just a, I mean, it might seem like a weird movie because you're watching this guy evolve into somebody that's totally different because he had no human interaction. In fact, just one part of the movie is that he ended up making a friend. His name was Wilson. Now, those of you who do not know who Wilson is, Wilson is the name of a sporting company that's on a volleyball. So his best friend was a volleyball. And that shows you how deep the need and the, the desire for connection and to be with other people. So here's Tom Hanks. This is what he looked like when he was uh, maybe a week into this, about 10, 12 some days. And, it, you know, already he needed to shave, but, you know, there's nothing out there to shave with. So this is the picture of just a week or so being cast away. And he just finally realized it's about survival. I got to survive. I got to have food, water. I have to have, to have uh, something to do to preoccupy the 24 hours in a day. So he's contemplating. And then by the end of the movie, this is what he looked like. I don't know if you can see it, but we're talking about his hair. Just, you know, it was at a point where he was unrecognizable. And I'm sharing this because maybe some of you are not cast away in an island somewhere. Some of you might not look like this. But in your spirit. And in your soul, many of us are at a point where we are completely empty. We're devoid of just any interaction, joy, even happiness, and a sense of purpose. And as I was thinking about this, and even though, like I said, we're not in a stranded island, we all know what it feels like to be alone. We all know what it feels like when we're not remembered or when. There's no sense of belonging. We're not accepted by a group of people or at work or maybe at school, even some of you in your own home, in your family. And that's why when I think about that, for some of us, not getting along with our bosses and not getting along with our colleagues, it could leave you alone because when it's lunchtime, you eat by yourself. You'd rather just eat in your desk. And you do this week after week, day after day, month after month, and I'm telling you, it's going to do something. To your soul. For some of us, it's a school, especially those of you who are here for the first year. It's hard to find out, like, where do I belong? Who do I hang out with? Who are some of my friends? Because you have to make friends all over again from the beginning. Because a lot of your friends are no longer here. They were just either back home or they're scattered all over the world. And for some of us, sadly, it might be even in church. That you come out to a gathering with all these people, you come out to different things that we do, but you're deep in your heart, you feel all alone and isolated. And this is why I want to just remind us that God made you and I for community. That we are made for community. And he has provided a way for us to connect and to also experience life with one another. And today I want to talk about the importance of this biblical community and what it means for us. And as we've been talking about these new convictions, and today we're going to talk about this new community that we will commit ourselves to this and living according to what God says. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that human connection is a necessity. So God provided a new community because it is something that is of a necessity in order to survive and to just be human that God has provided us a new community. So let me talk about these two things as we talk about how God provides a new community because the human connection is a necessity. I want to first talk about the design. 
the design of community, who designed it, what is it about, why is this important? The idea of community is not something that was just made up, and I think this is something that's very important for us to understand. It is deeply rooted in the very nature and the character of God. You will notice even from the beginning of time, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they were together in communion and in relationship with one another. And so it's in the very nature of who God is. He's a relational God. And that's why we see this even when God was creating humankind. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, and read the yellow words with me. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So here's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in relational connection, the triune God, perfect, holy, and now they are in that connection and that relationship as they said, let us make man and woman in our likeness. We see this even when God um, was communicating with his son and the son, Jesus Christ, was communicating with God the Father uh, in John chapter 17, verse 4 and 5. And many of you who are from church background, you know that this was the high priestly prayer that Jesus lifted up in the upper room before he was going to be crucified. Listen to what he says. And every, this is Jesus speaking now. He says, I, so here's Jesus, glorify you, you being whom? It's God. He's, he's talking to God in prayer. So he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So he's talking with God the Father as God the Son. And he says, I have done everything you've accomplished, you've told me to do. I've accomplished it for you. It goes on and it says this, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So what I'm trying to establish is that in the very nature of God, they were in relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here they are interacting as this is the prayer that Jesus is lifting up. Now, we notice this communion. If you want to look at it, they're communing with one another. The reason why this is important, because it then begins to trickle out into all areas of life. If some of you understand the Israelite people in the Bible, you will notice that it was out of his relational nature that he decided to choose Abraham, make him into a great nation, and through Israel that God was going to bless all the nations. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, you will notice that Israelites had this very strong corporate identity. It, this is very important because they always identified themselves as the Israelites, the people of God. You will also notice it, it goes all the way down in their identity to the smallest unit. So those of you who know scripture, you will notice that there was a nation. From the nation, it was made up of tribes. There were 12 tribes. And from these tribes came forth clans. And from each of the clan came forth household. So from God to the whole nation of Israel, all the way down to clans, and then the tribes and the clans, and now even to the household, the families. So I want you to pause here and think about this. Many of us right now, you are part of a household, which is your family. Whether you like them or not, let's not go into that. That's another whole sermon topic. But let's just talk about right now that you are part of a family. There's a relational connection to your mother and father. They, they brought you into this world, whether you liked it or not. You have brothers and sisters, blood brothers, whether you like it or not. Don't you wish that you had a choice of who you wanted to be your brother or sister? That would have been awesome, right? Not him. Not him. I want him. But think about it. You didn't have a choice in this. And so here you are, part of a household. Now, some of you are part of what? Whether you might find yourself as a Chinese person or a local Hong Kong or whatever country you're from, it's so easy to identify by ethnicity. And so when you think about it, we go through this all the time, of the question of belonging, because who we are in our identity, that's part of it. Now, I'm sharing all this because I want you to think about this design that God has. It's amazing when you talk to sociologists and they've done a lot of research on communities, on tribes, 
They've done a lot of research on different gatherings of people. And one thing that they have shared almost collectively is that there are some key components. Now, some will add like five. Some will say there's like basics of like four traits to it. I'm going to use three basic traits that I see in almost every single community. It doesn't even have to be a Christian community. It's just any community. And so some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Well, I would say if you're part of a sports team, that's a community. If you're part of an arts team, or I don't know what you want to, do they even have a team? Well, just an art group. They're an art group. That's a community. Uh, some of you even have people that you just go out to eat with almost every week. That, that's a community. And I still don't, I'm, I'm not understanding. My, my kids were in it, but, you know, the gaming a community, uh, I guess it's very intense. They have like their friends who they play with. So there's a community. So when you think about life, think about your life for a moment. Every single one of us belong in some way or shape or form to a community. And these are the three things. And I'm going to use the acronym PI. Everyone say PI. I don't know how many of you guys love PI, but I love PI. And so P-I-E. The first thing is this. There's a purpose. That whenever you see communities coming together, there's always a purpose. Because if there wasn't a purpose, why would you be gathering together? Even if the purpose means I'm alone, you're alone, let's be alone together. That's a purpose. All right? So there's a purpose. Every single community involves a purpose. The I is this. There's a sense of identity. So once again, we are the, the nerdy group. We study hard, you know, and we're going to, you're picking on us now, but you're going to work for us one day, all right? So, uh, the, you know, there's a sense of identity. And then there are those who are like the jocks or people who are like sports. You, you know, I, it's amazing. You think to yourself, my goodness, have we grown out of junior high? Can we please get out of junior high? And then what happens? You go to high school and then it's a glorify. Now you just add puberty to it. So other things could happen, right? So it's just, it's just a little glorified junior high. And then as soon as you are about to graduate from high school, you're thinking, can we get over all these clicks and all these? And then what happens? You go to college and then now you have a glorified high school click in college i don't even thought about that i mean like i can't wait for college to be done i don't have to fit into any group let me just talk to the working people here and i'm telling you right now as soon as you graduate from college there will be clicks in your workplace and they will be clustered and gathered around what they identify themselves with I mean, sadly. So once again, even those of you who are working, you are a glorified college student. Well, I don't know if I need an amen to that, but I, I'm just saying. And so what I'm trying to explain is you cannot escape it. Everywhere you go, people, because it is our nature, because there's a longing and a desire to connect, to belong to something. To identify ourselves with someone. That's why it's, it's amazing. Because even though here I am in Hong Kong, it's been six years, and we're heading into our seventh. Every single time I meet an American, and especially an Asian American, and then especially a Korean American, there's like this chunk. In Korean, they call it chunk. There's like this connection. I cannot explain. There's a connection. I love all the Chinese people here. I love all of you from Africa. I, I love all of you. Local Hong Kong, mainland China, I love it all. But I'm just telling you, there's a different connection when I meet a Korean American with similar experiences that we went through when we were in the States. Facing prejudice and racist people. You know, we, we, we could talk all day. Isn't that the same way those of you who have ever been on exchange? You're in a foreign country. You don't know the language. You don't know what's going on. You're looking at maps and, you know, and all of a sudden you hear the, this language. That's your mother tongue. And you're like, mama, you know, like. <laughs> There's an interconnection because it's a sense of identity, which comes through language, which comes through food, which comes through different culture. So once again, you will see this time and time again. Now, purpose brings people together. Identity 
brings people together. And here's the last thing. It's an experience of an interest. So whatever you're interested in and whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're putting your time and energy to, once you have this experience with these people, I'm telling you right now, you will feel like you are part of this community. So you see this all the time, all throughout the Bible, and you'll see this in real life being played out. Let me give you one example in what we are going to be reading for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 20. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. You can read it up here uh, on the screen. But listen to what the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting from verse 16. I'm going to read it all the way to verse 20. And I, I want you to see if you can catch the P. I, E, the pie, if you can catch it. So listen to what it says. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, a new has come. All this is from God, who through through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ, or we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I hope you caught the purpose, the identity, and this experience of an interest. In verse 16 and 17, you will notice that because of what Jesus Christ did for us, what did he do? You and I are simple people. There is no way we could reach up to God. And I keep on saying this over and over again. Every single religion, when you compare it with Christianity, the major difference is that all religions are trying to reach up to God. Why? Because you got to be good. You got to observe all these laws. You got to try to do all these good things, give to the poor. And somehow at the end, when you stand before God, they sh he should let you into heaven because of all your good works. And I said this many times, and I'll keep on saying it over and over again. No matter how good of a person you think you are, that will not get you to heaven. Think about it this way. Here you are in TST, in Harbor City. You're looking out like, wow, I see all these beautiful buildings on the other side of this harbor. And you decide you're going to jump. And so you look around, and there are other people looking at you like, hey, do you, you want to jump and get to the other side? Now, some of you, because your legs are, I don't know, defined or whatever, well endowed, I don't know how you want to look at it, you are doing the one, and some of you are smarter, so you run up and you decide to run and jump off and thinking you're going to get to the other side. Let me tell you this. Some of you will get further than other people, but you will never get to the other side. It is impossible. That's what good works and trying to get to heaven is like. The Bible tells us that all our good works are like filthy rags before God because we're sinful people. I know that's hard to hear, but think about it. Let's be honest. God's standard of holiness is so pure that the Bible says even a thought. Or check this out. It's not just the bad things you do, but the Bible also tells us we are sinners because of things that we should do that we do not do. Huh. The Bible says love one another. Now, how many of you just love everybody? It doesn't matter who it is. Roommate. Okay, now half of you are gone, all right? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? The Bible tells us to love, and we have a hard time loving people around us. That's a sin. That's a sin of omission. You are omitting the very thing that God is telling you to do. So here you are uh, thinking that you're a good person, and somehow you're going to jump over to the other side of the harbor, and you keep on falling short. That's why in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So how do we get there then? Well, that's the thing. Christianity is the only religion, the only one that says that God came down to us because there's no way to save ourselves. So he came in the form of a man. And then when he lived the life, he lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. Not only that, but then he died on the cross. That's a criminal's death. That should have been our cross because we sinned against God. That should have been our punishment. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. 
So now, which is such a scandalous idea that all you have to do is trust and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, and then rose again from the dead, and that's how you have new life. Literally, Jesus Christ is the bridge, or let's look at it, it's a ferry that brings you over to the other side. So here, Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing, because of what Jesus did for us, he gave us a new identity. The old has gone, the new has come. We're no longer sinners, but we're saints, the holy ones before God. It doesn't mean that we live holy lives, but our identity is made holy. We are children of God only because of Jesus Christ. Even in verse 19, we have this experience of reconciliation with God. Once again, we all want to be reconciled with God. We don't want to be enemies of God. If God Almighty, he's the one who has, is going to punish us. When Think about it, we all want to be reconciled. That's an interest that we all have. And we realize you can experience this because of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18 and verse 20, we see that now God gives this ministry of reconciliation. There, there is this great sense of purpose. That I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ now. I have a clear assignment that God is giving to me, a clear mission that God is giving to me, that I am now reconciled, and now I'm a reconciler to other people in their relationship with God. That is a sense of purpose in life that's bigger than yourself. It's bigger than getting straight A's. It's bigger than getting that job. It's better, bigger and better than just getting that promotion. Because why? Because at the end of the day, you cannot take your money, your status, whatever it is that you own, all your possessions, you cannot take that to heaven. Naked you come into this world, naked you will go or cremated, whatever you choose. So think about it. You are, some of you are chasing after the wind, trying to get amass all this stuff. When, when you die, you cannot even take it with you. You're not making an impact in your, there is no sense of purpose. That's why some of you right now, you could be the richest person making all this money, but you don't, you don't have a sense of purpose. Some of you right now maybe studied your whole life, gotten straight A's and doing so well, but then you don't have a purpose. Because if your purpose is only to get a good grade and then get a job so that you can buy nice little toys and a car and apartment and then get married and have a little sparking, <laughs> barking, you know, and then here you are, you have grandkids and all of a sudden then you have to die in the hospital. Then you have to ask yourself, what did your life amount to? This is the reason why a greater purpose can bring you together with other people who are living for a greater purpose. That's why we have to see that all of us were created for community. And especially those of you who were called as Christ followers, we belong to each other. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what kind of background you have. It doesn't matter what kind of personality. What brings us together is the blood of Jesus Christ. We have God the Father. We are his children. Now we are part of this family. Therefore, we are not just friends. But we're bonded together because of Jesus Christ. That's why I keep on telling people, if you are a believer and you have more this connection with someone who you might feel like, in my case, a Korean-American who does all this stuff and with the same interests, but then that person is not a believer. Because why? Being connected with Jesus Christ brings a bond that you will never be able to fully understand. It's spiritual in nature. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, he writes a lot about community. This is what he says. He says, whether it is a brief, single encounter or the daily community of many years, Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. I believe this. That's why in all my travels, when I speak at different countries, when I meet different people, it doesn't matter who they are, what country, what background, even though socioeconomic might be totally different. 
Every single time I meet someone who is a professing believer in Jesus Christ and they have a walk with Jesus Christ, I can connect with them quickly. Now, I know some of you can connect really quickly with people from the same ethnicity, same interest group, same country, same city, same background, all that stuff. But there is a bond that is so close because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what I love whenever I'm I'm interacting with some of you, even though I don't know you, some of you I'm going to meet for the very first time. As soon as I find out that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there's an instant connection that I cannot even explain, and it's because of Jesus Christ. So how about us this morning? What are some of your beliefs about community? Do you see the importance of community in your life and how it's played out? I'm wondering if you understand that God is the one who designed community. Because it was reflected in, in his relational nature as a triune God. Let me finish off with the second point. The second point is this. Not only the design for community, but now we're going to see the demonstration of community. As I was stating earlier, a human connection is a necessity. And because it's a necessity, God has provided for us this new community to experience that. And so once you understand the design for community, now the question is, how, how is this demonstrated? How is this lived out? And let me explain it this way. I think for all of us, when we think about community, and, and those of you who are not believers in Jesus Christ yet, let me share this with you. You don't have to necessarily be a Christian to experience community, as I stated earlier. It could be around a common purpose. There's a sense of identity and an experience of some kind of interest together. So therefore, you see a lot of people who are not Christian from other religions and those who have no religion who are actually experiencing community, sometimes more than Christians in the church. And so when you think about this, you have to say, well, then what is the difference? Because if they're experiencing, they're not Christians, but they're experiencing community better and greater than those who are. But let me say this. But the problem with community that's not bounded, bound by Christ is a community that you get along with people that you just like. Let me let that sink for a little bit. What I'm trying to say is this. There will be a lot of unlovable people in your life. And what you have to ask yourself is what is your motivation? What motivates you to love unlovable people? What motivates you to sacrifice for that person? What motivates you to lay down your life for that person that you might not like or you despise or just little quirks, the person that you just don't like? Because you remember that junior high kid, that bully, he reminds you of him. That's why those who don't know Jesus Christ they don't have any obligation to love that person outside of just the goodness of their heart because they're just nice people, but they have no other motivation. That's why they could eliminate people from the group chat. That's why they could isolate them, isolate them and not let them come to that party. I mean, like, we do that as Christians too. Yeah, that's why you got to go repent, you know. But think about it. There is no motivation outside of just, listen, the goodness of the heart or selfishness. Let's say you had Mark Zuckerberg when he was like in college. Such a nerd. I don't want to hang out with him. But someone told you, hey, listen, I'm from the future. He is going to be a billionaire. Hey, Mark, come on in. Be our friend. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Right? Isn't that what we would do? Because it's very self-centered and reason why we allow people to be in community. So what happens when you get people that you don't like and you don't get along with? And this is where I want to challenge us. There are many hindrances to demonstrating genuine community biblical community. 
And let me just list a handful that I just kind of jotted down. And all I can say is I hope when you look at it, you realize it's very self-centered and very selfish. The first one is lack of responsibility. I don't care. I'm not responsible for them. That's what we see even in the church. When you do not care about your brother and sister in Christ, that's a lack of responsibility. Like they'll just take care of them themselves. So you have no bearing. That's why we don't like to commit to anything. That's why you'll notice people who don't like to commit to things, they're irresponsible. Can I get a good amen to that? Okay, some of you are still very young. I need some older people who have experienced life. And I'm telling you right now, those people who are a little bit more mature, you will realize that those people who do not want responsibility, they're just not going to commit to things. That's the bottom line. Ladies, you think he loves you. All the single ladies, come on now. You you, you got to put that ring on there. No commitment, no responsibilities. He just has fun and he's playing with you. Emails, dirty looks from all the men gave our game plan. Hey, man, I have a responsibility to protect people in our church. Yeah. The wolves. Anyway, the lack of responsibility. The lack of authenticity. It is so easy to present yourself a certain way. And listen to me. I think this is something you got to understand when we talk about the hindrances of building community. It is always, this is important, it is always easier to know about things rather than letting people know who you are. But every single year, I get a bunch of Christians who come into our church and they're talking to me, well, Pastor said, according to, you know, the theological reasonings of this. And you could just tell, I mean, some of them are genuine, so I'm not going to discredit that. But some of them are trying to prove or show how intellectually wise and smart and theologically rooted they are. Because why? It is always easy to know about something or someone rather than you being known. Why? Because if you're known, then everything that you do in private, all the weaknesses, all the dirtiness, all the stuff that you struggle with, uh, all the things that you try so hard to cover, that the possibility of someone not liking you or you not getting accepted into a community is very high. So that's why it's always easy to talk about. That's why whenever I interact with people, you know, there are some people, it's so easy for them to talk about this and this and this. I go, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Oh, 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 me? Oh, I'm from this country. And then anyway, going back and then, you know, and I'm like, no, tell me more about yourself. What are some of your pain points? What are some things you've gone through in your life? What are you afraid of? What are the things that makes you anxious? Because when you have to share about who you are, then the possibility of you being rejected is high. Because you could share something that I don't like and I don't want to be around you. So that's why it's always easier to present yourself a certain way. But there are some people with some special gifts who can see right through all that. And they're like, what is this? And that's why one of the beautiful things about community is that you can be authentic. You can say, this is who I am. This is what I struggle with. But they will love you. Why? Because they have been loved by God. Isn't that the gospel? So we see a lack of responsibility, a lack of authenticity, and the lack of vulnerability, which kind of ties into what I was just sharing. And then the lack of humility. We think we're better than everyone else. The lack of priority, we don't make this important priority because it has nothing to do. It's all about us, us getting good grades, us making a lot of money, us having this. So we don't want to take the time to get to know people unless they can open up a door, a business connection. This is sad to say, but there are a lot of people, that's why they come to church. Look at this. Look Look at this potential customers. Whether you're selling something, it could be anything from insurance all the way to other things. Okay, if, if some of you guys are from, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying I've been doing this church thing a long time. Almost 30 plus some years. And all I can say is I've seen them all. 
come through our church back in Michigan and even here. And all I can say is that every time I see that, I just realize like, yep, because why? They'll come only when it's good for them. But they won't come when you have to sacrifice, when you have to give. When you have to lay down your life. Because it's not about you. But it's about God. The lack of maturity is also hindering us from having the sense of community. Because just try to imagine two junior high kids. <laughs> look at you. Look at your nose. Oh, my God. You know, and you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> you're like, okay, this is great. Just try to imagine. Part of maturity is knowing who you are. It's awareness of who you are. Awareness of the situation. And sometimes that lack of maturity hinders us from having genuine community. Doesn't mean we can't have it, but you got to work on it. If we really want to experience it according to God's design, listen to me. Then it has to be through the gospel. Everyone say through the gospel. Which is the good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. We could genuinely experience it. I think Tim Keller said it the best. In his book, Center Church, it's a good book if you ever want to read it. He writes this. Listen to what he writes, and I think this is very important. He says that the gospel creates community. Come on, let's all say that sentence again. The gospel creates community. Because it points to us, to the one who died for his enemies. It creates relationships of service rather than selfishness. Because it removes both fear and pride People get along inside the church who can never get along outside. That is so true. Some of you, I will never be friends with you if we were outside. Some of you, I will never hang out with you if we were outside. Somebody like, is he a pastor? I'm just a different type of pastor. So listen up. What I'm trying to say is this. In my natural proclivity and the things that I like and the things that I like to do and the interests that I have and the person that I am, some of you I will not click with. Are you with me? This is what I'm trying to say. So if I didn't know you, I wasn't a pastor and you were, you know, I didn't even know you were a Christian. If we were outside, I would not naturally like, oh, I want to get to know that person. I would not gravitate towards you for various reasons. But because we're in the church, and if I at least talk to you, if I have an opportunity, or you guys come up and talk to me, and the reason why we get along, or the reason why I'm trying to love you, is because of the gospel. I'm not saying it's easy, because we all know it's hard. You're like, Lord, could you have made him like another, you know, why? why?" I mean, we're just being honest here, because we don't get along with everybody. There are people who bother us. There are people who annoy us. There are people who remind us of people who have hurt us. So when he was saying this, I'm like, oh, this is so true. That it's because of the gospel, we get along with people inside the church. Even though we will not get along outside if it wasn't for Jesus. Because it calls us to holiness, the people of God in loving bonds of mutual accountability and discipline. Thus, the gospel creates a human community radically different from any society around the world. Let me read that again. Thus, the gospel creates a human community radically different from any society around it. Growth and grace, wisdom and character does not happen primarily in classes and instruction, though uh, through large worship gatherings or even in solitude. Most often, growth happens through deep relationships in communities where the implication of the gospel are worked out cognitively and worked out practically in ways no other setting or venue can afford. Christian community is more than just a supportive fellowship. It is an alternative society. And I'm going to put it in the it's a new society. And it is through this alternate human society that God shapes us into who and what we are. Wow, this, it's a, what a powerful reminder. It is only because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he died for us. He died for enemies. He sacrificed his life for us. Everything that he did dictates, is demonstrated to us what community is supposed to be like. Now, if we want to become more like Jesus Christ and become the kind of community that he demonstrated while he was with the disciples, that clearly it's because of the gospel, not any other reason. 
That's why he set the example with the 12 disciples, as I mentioned. Even when he was ministering to the people, he did ministry with these 12. He did life on life with these 12. And even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see the early church being birthed in the book of Acts. And we see that they met in their homes and with families and their friends. And they were sharing the gospel. That's why they were a new community. How in the world can you get Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, the non-Jews, coming together and sharing when they were enemies with one another? It's because of Jesus Christ. What will make mainland Chinese people and local Hong Kong people get along? It's because of Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen to that? So the more you begin to say, oh, local Hong Kong, this and this, or mainland Chinese, this and this, that means you put more identity in who you are ethnicity-wise rather than because of Jesus Christ. Shame on you. No wonder the church has no witness. Please don't misunderstand me. I understand both sides. And I'm from America. (laughs) But if your identity is placed on just being ethnically or you grew up somewhere, more than because here's a brother or sister, is Jesus Christ. Then shame on you. That you have no concept of the gospel. Because you are enemies with God. But God loved you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you so you can have life. That alone should dictate how you should demonstrate community. Gentiles, Jews, they were enemies with one another. But they loved each other in this new community. And that's why the world was dumbfounded. How can you do that? Even Jesus, when he hung around tax collectors and sinners, these religious people were like, how in the world is your rabbi hanging out with these people? It's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that breaks any ethnic barriers, that breaks any wall that has been erected because of hatred, of years of conflict. That's why it's a beautiful thing when you see Jewish Christians hanging out with Palestinian Christians and they love each other even though the conflict is thousands of years old. Those are the kind of things that will tell the world that Jesus Christ is the only one that could bring enemies together because it is the bond of his blood. This is the reason why in the New Testament There was exhortations of the one another's. There are almost 54, over 50 one another's in the Bible. Love one another, serve one another, be devoted to one another, forgive one another. You do your Bible research and you will notice that all these one another's in the Bible, it is rooted because you have experienced the gospel. Now, no matter who that person is, you have to be able to love them, forgive them, be devoted to them, outdo them in honor and do all these things, the one another's. And this is where we see this. And let me close with this the portion of scripture that we read all the time but i want it to just be a highlight of the demonstration of the gospel in acts chapter 2 starting from verse um, 42 and like i said this is a verse that we all know but i want us to read it with this new perspective of god's design and the demonstration of this community it says this and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who were believed all who believed were together and had everything in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need day and day after by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food and glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily or day by day to those who are being saved. What we see is this, and this is something that we've been talking about. In this passage, you see these five E's that we talk about. We see evangelism, exaltation, edification, education, and extension. If you see these five things in a community, you will see it to grow. That's why in our church, we talk about the motivation. What is our motivation? We took those five things that we see in Acts chapter 2, and we put it into a phrase. The first one is evangelism. And the phrase that we say, what motivates us is that found people. Come on, everyone say it. Find people. 
Because we've been found. We were lost without Jesus Christ. But Jesus found us. Because now we're found. We're trying to find others who can be found by Jesus Christ. That's why we do evangelism. It's not because it just makes our name great. It's because we've been found. The next thing we see is edification, where they be, are lifting one another, helping each other. And so we have a phrase that simply says, love people, love people. If we've been loved and we've been encouraged and supported, that we want to love other people. That's our motivation because Jesus loved us. And then he sent different believers into our life to love us. Some of you are so self-centered. It's all about, oh, just love me. It's all about me. When is the time where you're going to stop focusing on yourself and start loving other people? Because there are people who have yet to experience the love of God. The third thing is the education. And we talk about disciple people, disciple people. If you're not growing in discipleship, then all I can say is that you're not growing in the knowledge of God. If you've been discipled, you need to disciple other people. The fourth is extension, where you extend yourself to help other people. That's why serve people, serve people. We've been served, so now we want to serve others. And exaltation is inspire people, inspire people. We've been inspired by God in His greatness, in His goodness, in His grace. It inspires us that it's something bigger than ourselves, better than ourselves. And now we want to inspire other people the way we worship, the way we work and worship, the way we study and worship. Worship is not just about singing. It's how we do things. Our heart and the predisposition bent towards exalting and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the one thing, once again, is that human connection is a necessity. And therefore, God provided us with this new community. He knew we needed this. So through Jesus Christ, he gave us this new community. So the question is this, what are some things that I can do? The first thing is, I'm going to give you some practical things. One of the, Those of you who are new, one of the things that we do is, we don't want you to just hear a message and then walk out and forget it. We want you to be able to take it, think about it a little bit, and hopefully through prayer time as we respond to God, they can say, you know what? I want to do this this coming week. Put it into action. And I'm just giving you some handful of options. There, there might be other things you could come up with, but I'm just giving you some suggestions. Here's the first thing. Pray for genuine community. Like, pray for it. If some of you are alone, some of you are feeling kind of like isolated, pray. And as you're praying, God will change your heart. Some of you, as you know, we're going to be starting new life groups. Pray for it. Stop complaining. Some of you are like, oh, my God, I'm in the same life group. Why am I with her again? Oh, my God, why am I with him? What do you think she's thinking? Why am I with him? You know, the same thing. Because it's all about you. So maybe you should pray, and as you're praying, God will change your heart. So pray for this genuine community, this new community that God has given us. The second thing is this, prioritize relationships. You cannot have genuine community without prioritizing the relationship. If you don't make the time and the investment into people, you're not going to have it. That's why it's amazing where you can come to life group every single week. You can come to church, people, but you still feel empty and you just feel alone. Why? Because you do not prioritize the relationships. That's why don't just come to life group and do your two-hour thing and you're out. Maybe you got to invest a little bit more, your time, your energy. Maybe you can say, hey, like, do you want to study together? Or like, hey, I was just thinking like some time tonight. Is there anything I can do for you? Like, it seems that like you were busy as you shared last week in Life Group. Uh, can I run some errands for you? Like those kinds of things, when you prioritize the relationship, you're going to be able to experience genuine community. The third is, I like this one, present your I'm in the process self. See, the problem, the reason why some of us are not experiencing genuine community is we present, this is my me self, or this is my new self, this is my good self. No wonder so many people who are not Christians, they come into these life groups and everyone's so holy. I wish I was, it was like a film and I could just stop it and go, hold on. You know this person? Oh, messed up. He, he's messed up. You know, he really, he struggles with pornography big time. I wish, I wish, I wish you knew this. Oh, this girl, oh my God, she, she is so self-centered. Like, she's like bickering. She's like that, you know, the cat is like, like, you know. Oh, and this guy, like, yeah, he's been bullied psychologically. He struggles a lot with anxiety. Oh, and that girl, when she was eight years old, she was sexually molested by one of her family members. I'm not saying to take out your dirty laundry. 
But the problem is the reason why we don't experience genuine community and the reason why, and I'm speaking to you Christians, the reason why even pre-Christians, when they come to church, they don't feel like they belong is because you guys present yourself and you have everything together. But you need a big butt. Some of y'all are like, huh? The big butt is B-U-T, where I struggle with all these things, but God is still working on me. I have these kinds of fears, but God keeps on reminding me that I need him. Then I, as a pre-Christian, looking at you, I realize you're not perfect. You still struggle with the things that I struggle with. But then there's something about this but God that I want to get to know. Because if that but God is helping you, then I want that but God in my life. So stop trying to present yourself like you, you're the finished product because you're not. Those of you who are in art and other stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Like you try to present this finished product, but it's like half done. Stop presenting yourself as the finished product. It's in a process. We're still growing. We're still wrestling through. We're still trying to overcome but by the grace of God. So do that more in life group this year. Stop presenting yourself as if it's perfect. Leaders are the worst. And if some of you don't believe me, set an appointment, I'll tell you everything about every single one of those leaders. Then there's some of you are like, how about you, pastor? Well, talk to my wife. <laughs> Lastly, Participate in life group. I just hope that you will never lose heart, the motivation and the vision for this new community. It's the only hope that can transform the world. Because you could preach of the gospel all you want, but sometimes they have to see it lived out. They have to experience it. And the best way to experience it is by being in community. And as you heard Pastor Bo was saying, and as we share it all the time, just try it once. And if you don't like it, then we're cool with that. That That's not for you or not for you at this time. But at least give it a try. And I pray that it will transform your life. I want to close with this one video. It's about a group of singers in New York City. And as some of you guys know, they always talk about dreams come true in New York. You go to New York to find your acting career or your singing career, Broadway, all that kind of stuff. And it's a tough place. It's a lonely place. It's very similar to Hong Kong. People come from all over the world. Even in Manhattan, with all the millions of people in these sky rises, there are people who are isolated alone. But these group of singers, they came together just through various situations and circumstances, and they were in community. And they had an opportunity to actually thank each other and to share what they mean to them. Each person means to them. And so they just went around in circle and they just shared how they appreciate that person and what they mean to them. And I want you to listen to their stories because it will give you a glimpse or just a window of the community that they experienced. I don't know if they're Christians or not, but I have a feeling they are. You will tell by the song. Just because you sing the song doesn't mean you're Christian either. But something about their story kind of makes it ring true like, hey, that sounds pretty Christian, but they don't explicitly say it. I hope you catch it. Let's watch this. We'll close out, and then we'll respond to God. Stand together as we close. Did you hear that one phrase? I don't know where my life would be without. I hope that's something that all of us can say one of these days on two levels. I don't know what my life would have been without Jesus Christ. Some of you would have still been lost, still chasing the things after this world, still struggling with the things that you're struggling with, insecure, low self-esteem, lack of confidence. But because you found Jesus, or Jesus found you and you found this eternal life, in him it changed the way you do things the way you look at things the way you even look at people 
And on that second layer, I hope that it will be, I don't know what my life would have been like without these groups of, group of people that love me, care for me, help me through my college years, help me through the transition of a single adult coming to a city like Hong Kong in the midst of all the protests and all the pandemic or even as a family, just being able to have other people and other families supporting you. What's new? Well, it's not really new. It started from the beginning of time because God designed it. But then we have seen demonstrations of this community for many, many years, over and over again. We have seen it last year. We saw it this summer in our life group. So it's not really new, but on the other hand, it is because we're going to start new life groups starting Tuesday and Wednesday in about a couple days. And I pray that there will be a reorientation of your mind to say, I want to I give everything that I have. Because not only do I want to experience this, but I want someone else to experience it through me as I love them, serve them, pray for them, help them. This is what's going to make the world take notice of Christians and the church. It's not when we're arguing on like theological points. It's not when we're trying to hate on certain groups of people because they have different values than us. I always tell Christians, why do you, why do you get so angry? <laughs> they haven't experienced Jesus Christ or if they did, it was a bad experience. So why are you trying to argue with them? You should be serving them and loving them and show them. I've seen atheists come to know Jesus Christ. I have seen people with certain kind of lifestyle to come to Christ and say, you know what, I want to submit my life to Jesus. Not to a church doctrine, but to Jesus. So they follow His Word. I have seen people give up their dreams. We're talking about they're making hundreds and thousands of dollars. USD. A year. Give all those things up because they want to they live for something greater. I've seen people give up their lives and move to other places where people have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason why they do that is because they were in community and they experienced the love of Jesus Christ like never before. There's something about community that you will not be able to experience it in any other context. This year, make a commitment to not only pray for it, but to participate in it. And let's stop presenting ourselves as we have everything put together. Come on, everyone say, but God. but God. That's not a very strong conviction. We need to go back to last week's message, all right? Let's say it again together on the count of three. One, two, three. But, but God. God. We're imperfect. We're struggling. We're weak. But God, He's perfect. He's working on me. And with that kind of perspective, I believe we're going to see great things this coming year. How many believe that? Amen. Great things this year as we're loving one another, serving one another. And I'm praying for just a life group this coming, this coming week. Can we just do that together uh, in just one voice? Those of you who are new, one of the things that we do is we like to pray to God after hearing a message to say, God, I cannot obey this. I cannot live this out on my own. So I need you to strengthen me. And I always tell people there's different ways to pray. Some of you might have grown up in a church where you pray quietly, but you know how it is. You think about McDonald's, the next show that's going to come up, what you're going to do afterwards, and it's hard to focus. So one of the things that we encourage people to do is just to pray loud enough just to hear yourself so you know what you're praying. Another thing is this. When you're desperate and you're drowning out in the Pacific Ocean, you don't say, help me. Someone out there, help me. No. You go, help me! Anyone out there? See, when you're desperate because of your sin has weighed you down, you cry out to God and say, God, I need you. That's why sometimes we pray out loud. And if some of you are totally distracted, you have an own amplification system in your body. 
you know what that is? It's your two fingers and you plug your ears. And when you start talking, your voice gets amplified in your head. It's a little trick that I learned when I was younger. Because I was praying at this gathering, this guy next to me was confessing all his sexual sins. I don't want to hear that. So I was closing my ears and then I'm like, whoa. I could hear myself. Not him, but I could hear myself. So that's where I discovered it. God is a good God. He's a great God. He's going to do some amazing things. So let's just pray for life groups this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Whichever life group you're a place of, just believe it. It's the sovereign will of God. And He's going to use it to shape you, put you in that process of becoming like Jesus. Pray that God will use it to bring more people to Christ, more people to experience Jesus, more discipleship to happen. So just for about a minute, minute and a half, can we just with one voice, let's pray for that together. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.